Talking sports as they report Back and forth from their home court They talk the sports if you're not sure They talk of sports and then talk more About all sports East, West, South, North Ryan talks sports Andrew retorts And George will hear as they both sort Through all the sports they both support The Walk-Ons What's up guys? Welcome to the Walk-Ons Podcast It is Thursday, May 6th And as always, we've got a killer show for you guys today We're going to talk some NFL NBA play-in tournament as the playoffs come down. We've got MLB, lots of stuff going on there. We even got some NHL for you today. And we've got our, our interview with Casey Ryan, great friend of the show, former ESPN guy, former mayor that we found out. We'll, we'll learn more on that later. And a former chain gang master uh, for the Oregon State Beavers. So here we are, Andrew. It's, it's winding down the NBA season. A couple weeks left to go. Everybody's been talking about the play-in tournament how it's going to go. Is it exciting? I'll certainly say that, you know, the one and done kind of thing is, is exciting, but some people don't necessarily seem to like it very much. Namely LeBron James, who I believe earlier in the season said he loved the idea, but now that the, the Lakers have fallen on hard times, they're in the sixth spot. They're only a half game up on Portland. Now he's saying that somebody should be fired. He's calling for somebody's job. I mean, what, what's going on here? Is LeBron just kind of boohooing or does he have a point? Oh, he's totally boohooing, and it's it's no coincidence that Luka Doncic had similar thoughts a couple weeks ago when it looked yeah. like the Mavericks were also going to be. Yeah, and you don't hear that anymore, do you? Like they're they're feeling great. They love the playing tournament. No, the the playing tournament in theory is fantastic until you're in it, until you're right. the playing. Um, and you know it's ironic too because the guy whose idea it was that should supposedly get fired is Adam Silver. So, yeah. um, you know, like he that's it's like one of the few he actually spearheaded it within the NBA front office. So I'm interested to see what he what he responded to LeBron's comments with. But yeah, it's I mean, no one thought the Lakers are going to be in this position. I mean, they're those defending champs and it's weird. They're still kind of the favorite in the Western Conference, even though they might be the seven seed. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm LeBron, he doesn't want to potentially have to face Steph Curry in a winner go home game because. I think you'd still pick the Lakers, but you never know what Steph could do. Steph could go for 70 and, and carry the team on his back. So it is a lot of boohooing. And yeah, I just don't think he expected to be in this position. Yeah. I mean, from that standpoint, right, the, the Lakers on their kind of name recognition, they're still sort of finding themselves as, as some of the favorites coming out of the West, which I think is absolutely asinine. But I guess from my standpoint, the, the, the crybaby LeBron stuff aside, it, it is great television, right? I mean, I think back to, I mean, there have been maybe, what, four or five upsets in the first round in the NBA in the last 40 or 50 years. I mean, you get a first-round game, the first-round series with a one versus an eight, there's really no point to watch unless somehow, like, the eight seed somehow takes, you know, game one or, God forbid, game two on the road. Outside of that, I mean, there's really no reason to watch. You know who's going to win. You know, wake me up when we got the semifinals and they are actually teams that are, you know, going to go with six, seven games. In terms of what makes sports great, it's it's that one and done. It's win or go home, right? And that's exactly what they've created here with this play-in tournament. Like you said, I mean, who doesn't want to see a one-game winner go home with LeBron James versus Steph Curry or Damian Lillard versus Steph Curry or Damian Lillard versus John Morant? I mean, I understand that if you're stuck there and your entire season leads up to this point and you lose one game and you're out, yeah, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. From a, but from a fan standpoint – this is going to bring eyeballs to the NBA that they probably haven't had before uh, because there's so much excitement to this play-in tournament. So I think it's cool. I think LeBron needs to chill out. Uh, you know, certainly he does. That would be funny as all get out as a Warriors fan. If, if they lost to the Warriors or maybe the Spurs or somebody, if they ended up in the seven seed and they get kicked out after one game in the play-in tournament, that would be about as sweet as they come. That'd be Christmas come early. It'd be Christmas come early, except for the NBA, they would be pulling their hair out 
NBA would hate it. But hey, look, I mean, look at the top of the West. Utah, Phoenix, Denver, the Clippers. I mean, yeah, they're in LA, but they're still the Clippers. I mean, it is it, the the standings are already shaping up as an NBA nightmare scenario. So you might as well hang your hat on having a, some cool play in tournament type thing just to get some some excitement around the playoffs. Oh, no doubt. I mean, the, that game would get incredible ratings. I just think the NBA would prefer that game get incredible ratings in the NBA finals when they can have potentially seven of them. But no, it's I think the playing game is here to stay. I would just, I love, I think they're going to need to make some modifications, especially for a regular season where it's, you know, kind of the more 82 game slate because they specifically structured the playing game this year to kind of amend the fact that there's less games. And, you know, so I think there's, there's some room to kind of meet in the middle of like, can we still maintain like an eight, nine playing game and uh, then kind of go back to the regular playoff format too. Yeah, I don't think it's done shifting. That's for sure. This is kind of a, uh, a wait and see type scenario. They're, they're, they're trying it out and we'll see what goes on. But luckily for us, you know, everybody around the NBA, well, not everybody around the NBA, but but fans uh, that David Stern isn't isn't in the driver's seat, because if 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 LeBron and the Lakers fell into that play in tournament, Stern probably would just come in and just cancel the whole thing and just put the Lakers in the finals because that's how he operated. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Let's let's flip over to the big story with the NFL. Obviously, the, the dust has settled here with the draft. We're a, bit, a week week after this. Um, but the big question is, st- it's still around Aaron Rodgers, right? And now all these these reports are coming out that he's texting free agents, telling them not to come because he's not going to come back. He's calling the GM, Brian Gutenkunst. He's alluding him to Jerry Krause, which is um, a disgusting visual, I guess, to say the least. But what do you make of Aaron Rodgers? And I know you're going to say you want to see him in a Broncos uniform. You've been texting me that all week and I'm, I'm getting pretty sick of it. But just in terms of the way he's handled this situation, right? Because it, we also found out that it wasn't him who was, the, who was responsible for this story dropping on draft day, right? That was Adam Schefter who said as much on Dan Patrick's podcast that he was the one who chose to drop that story on draft day. But outside of that, I mean, Aaron Rodgers handled this very, very poorly, don't you think? Oh, well, I think there's no doubt that both sides have made mistakes in this. I think Aaron Rodgers has shown, I mean, he doesn't talk to his family. Like he can be as petty as all hell. Yeah, the Packers have also shown historically, including Aaron Rodgers time when he was the backup with Brett Favre, they don't handle these transitions between quarterbacks super well. And also say what you want about the way Aaron's handled it. The moment they drafted Jordan Love, they were telling him, you will not be the starting quarterback that much longer. Except the the whole point was they drafted up to get him and they didn't even tell Aaron Rodgers they were doing that. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, no matter what you say or do at this point, your plan was not to have Aaron Rodgers in the picture that much longer. And he even went and said it on uh, Pat McAfee's show later earlier this year and a couple other appearances that like him playing an MVP caliber season this year threw a wrench into their plans. Cause now that they're, they're having to deal with the fact that they still have the MVP on their team, but they've already put one foot in the door in the Jordan love camp. I mean, like there, there's no way to get out of it unless they totally bend to Aaron's will fire the GM and trade Jordan love, which they're not going to do because that just, that would create problems down the road in the future for that organization, bending to the will of a player. I think, unfortunately, Aaron thought handled it super well, but I think we're past the point of no return in Green Bay, unless Jeopardy says, like, we would never hire you to be our host. You don't have a backup plan. Yeah, I think it's true. But, you know, as, as sort of ugly as this scenario has gotten, and I think really as sort of kind of petty as Rogers kind of comes off here with all these subversive texts and all these things behind the scenes, yeah, the Packers have been 
sort of laying this groundwork for quite a long time. I think nine out of the last 10 first round draft picks were on the defensive side of the ball. They still haven't gotten much better on the defensive side of the ball, which is mind boggling, but not to say that this has been a decade in the making, but certainly I think from a Packers standpoint, um, they've, they've been expecting to move on from him for a couple of years. I certainly don't think they expected him to come out and be the MVP like he was last year. And that's probably a little bit of a middle finger from uh, number 12 to the organization, but yeah, I, the Packers have been preparing for this for a while. So I guess from their standpoint, the, the best thing that they can hope for is that they get something in return for him and that he just doesn't walk away. Right. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately with the way the situation's played out, they're still going to get a haul for him, but they probably won't get the same haul that you would expect. Like what? at the end of the day, like Matt Stafford might end up getting a better haul than what Aaron Rodgers will get because you know, other teams know that they have all the leverage in the, in the trade negotiations. Plus, you know, I don't think this is talked about enough. Like, they're not going to trade him to an NFC team, which only leaves about half the teams available, and he's got a massive contract. I mean, say what you want. I, you know, I'm a homer, and I'll, I'll root for the Broncos, but there's a reason they make a lot of sense because there's only a handful of teams that can kind of check all the boxes of what it's going to need to trade him and take on his contract and, and do all everything else that's kind of coming to the picture. Yeah, absolutely. And, and selfishly, I'll be real. Like, I want to see Aaron Rodgers continue to play. Based off what he did last year, I want to see that dude slinging it. I mean, if he's slinging it in a mile high stadium, you know, thrown to Jerry Judy and, and Cortland Sutton and those likes, hell screw it. I'd love to see it. I think that would be a lot of fun. I don't want to see him just walk away after the year that he came off of, but uh, let's, uh, let's jump over to the interview. We've got a great one for you with our buddy, Casey Ryan, uh, a lot more on Rogers, a lot more on the Blazers. Believe me, if you're a Blazers fan, you're going to love it. If you're not, you, you should still listen because it's great stuff. But uh, we, we've got a lot of Blazers talk from our boy, Casey Ryan. That'll be coming up next. All right. Our guest this week is a huge friend of the show. He's a great guy. He's up in Portland, obviously a Blazers homer. This man has been around the block once or twice. He, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. It's Casey Ryan. And Casey, we were talking about this offline. This was not on script here, but you mentioned you were the mayor of your town in Portland. Is that true? That's true. I was, uh, it's a little community, about 17,000 people on the eastern part of the metro area of Portland called Troutdale. That's and brilliant. so, yeah. So it showed you as mayor, the mayor. <laughs> I was the mayor from 2016 to 2000. Uh, just, I just finished my term the end of uh, the first part of January. So that's incredible. I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness now. This is great. Um, well, <laughs> we, we won't talk politics on this show because that is not our, our angle, but I definitely want to get your thoughts on some NBA stuff, right? The big, the big story sort of coming out now is as we creep up here into the playoffs, this, this sort of 10 team, you know, the seven through 10 playoff, uh, the play in tournament, right? You know, there, there have been all kinds of different, uh, I guess, feelings on that. Most notably LeBron James, who now that they are one game ahead of your Blazers and they might end up falling into that, into that play-in tournament, he hates it, right? But I feel like LeBron didn't hate this before. And it, it kind of seems like, okay, now that you might have to play in it, now you hate it. I mean, does that seem like a little bit self-serving kind of just, you know, I guess what's your, what's your take on that? I mean, is LeBron, does LeBron have a point or is he just kind of whining because he's worried he might have to get stuck in that thing? Well, I think he has a point. I think his, I think the point he has now is the point he should have had the first time. <laughs> is the whole thing's confusing. It doesn't really make sense. And so I think what happened is he probably just jumped on the bandwagon a little bit because he didn't know, didn't understand it, didn't sound like a cool idea, probably not going to be my team. And so it didn't, now that he looked at it, and a lot of people have digested it because you're hearing a lot more criticism now about it. 
and he's now come out and say, well, this thing sucks. And you never came up with this, you fired, right? So right. in right. typical and LeBron, he always goes really to the extremes, right? Like, yeah. it's not that he just likes it. It's that someone needs to be fired, too. <laughs> right. right, yeah. Now, now he's coming for somebody's livelihood, right? That's yeah. fair for a multimillionaire. But I guess from that standpoint, right, so your Blazers are squarely in, in seventh place right now. I mean, they're a half game behind the Lakers. There's a lot that could happen here over these next couple of weeks. Do you like the play, the idea of the play-in? Is this something that's here to stay? I mean, would it maybe shift to, you know, 12 teams? I, what, what's your, what are your thoughts on the actual play-in tournament? You know, I don't really like it. I mean, I guess, you know, I, I want a done game is always better than a seven-game series. So as a sports fan, I'll prob- I'd probably tune into that more than I would probably a whole seven-game series just because one and done's are fun, right? But I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense, really. I mean, just expand it out a little bit. They just make it 10 teams or something like that, you know. Um, But, yeah, I I know they're always trying to find creative ways to do things, but I don't think it sticks, you know. Or maybe it sticks in a different way. They come up with maybe 10 teams or something like that. But, you know, so. But I think one thing I I dislike about – NBA playoffs is the length of them right because the best team almost always wins and that's what I love about college football or college basketball it just you never know right like when anybody can beat anybody one night so yeah immediacy is good is good for sport I do I do believe that yeah yeah I I, I think there's definitely something there to like sports fans loving the playing game to some level if your team's not in it you know because like you know i'm a nuggets fan but like just taking my perspective imagine a playing game where it's dame versus steph winner goes to the playoffs yeah let's see tv but i agree once your team's in it then it's like what have we done like the regular season goes out the window with one game yeah i I think yeah yeah, i'd love to see some level of like compromise or maybe it's it's nine teams and it's just the eight nine doing the playing game versus the ten but yeah, I mean, it was it was created for this odd year, and I think there's some, some things that work and some things that don't, and so hopefully we can find the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, I tell you what would be a great matchup, and this is a tough one, Lakers and Golden State, one game. Who's going to win that one? Well, I'm a Golden <laughs> I mean, State fan, so you know who I'll be pulling for. That would be must-see TV, absolutely. I mean, I would take Curry in one game almost against anybody, right? Yeah, shoot the lights out. I mean, yeah, absolutely. They could definitely nip somebody for sure. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of the Blazers, I mean, there's a chance that they actually still avoid the play-in game because they do play the Lakers this Friday and what's a really yep. big game. But I, I think taking a step back, I feel like the Blazers have kind of been that team the last five or six years that's always quite on the thick of things but isn't quite on the level of being the championship contender. I know they made the one Western Conference Finals appearance, but even then they got swept and it really – they were a step down from the Warriors – what's kind of your take on like what the Blazers have been the last five or six years? Cause now there's talk that Terry Stotts might get fired if they don't go on a crazy playoff run. Do you look yeah. at this kind of wasted potential or what do you, what do you think? Yeah. And I don't understand it. I watched the Cleveland game or most of it last night. You know, you look at their team and it's solid and it's balanced and they have probably eight decent players that can come in and play. Um, but you're right. They're, they're ruining these little years and I'm not sure what they need to do. Um, they're a different team when their chicks in there. They, 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 and he's been hurt a lot. So he's back and he's playing a lot better. Um, but I don't get it. Like they're not good enough to win at all, but they're not bad enough to be horrible. Right? They're just, they're kind of boring. Like, you know what you're going to get out of them. And I, I think Stotts has taken this team as far as it can go. And so, yeah, you know, sorry, go ahead, Casey, please. Well, I was going to say, uh, I read a, I read a cool thing today. So name the two players 
in uh, that are on minimum contracts right now that are averaging 13 points and 40% from three point. There's two players. Yikes. I want to pull like something deep, like Anthony Simons and somebody else, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, Andrew, you're, just gonna have to tell, you're just gonna have to tell us. Yeah, yeah. It's Dunk, yeah. Duncan Robinson. Uh-huh. He's on a minimum contract. Mm-hmm. And Carmelo Camar- Camar- Carmelo Anthony. Uh-huh. Melo. Of course. Melo, man. Oh my God, he's on, I can't believe he's on a minimum contract. Yeah, and you know what? Uh props to that guy. He has been an incredibly great teammate. Yeah. He's not selfish. He's kind of a mentor to those guys. But man, he's he's a key to that that team. So uh, yeah. What a great pickup. Definitely. It, you know what? You, you mentioned it, right? Nurkic, you got guys like Melo, who has been really the commensurate teammate. He's been awesome. But I've been dying to ask somebody like you, who is a Blazers fan about this for a long time, because I, I've kind of see it, right? The rhetoric around Damian Lillard is that, or, and the Blazers is that essentially they haven't surrounded him with the team capable of winning a championship. I mean, recently, Kevin Love said that would be his dream to go to Portland, go home and, and play with play with Lillard. But he's certainly not the same Kevin Love. From your perspective, from a Blazers fan's perspective, do you agree with that with that sort of rhetoric that you know this team is has not done a good enough job, the front office surrounding him with a team that can win a championship? Well, I don't think it's because they're not trying. You know, free agents don't want to come to Portland, if, yeah. and if you're going to get one, you're going to get one that they 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 just want out of where they're at. You're going to get them for half the season, and then they're going to go somewhere else. I mean, they're just not a big free agent market out here you know like sacramento right and so i would say props to the blazers man have they drafted well i mean you go back for years but i mean just to go back a little brandon roy i mean if his career wasn't cut short and gone too soon yeah i love brandon and and then right after that they get lillard nobody wanted lillard then they get cj who was looking at cj right right and so they drafted really well because portland could end up like a sacramento if they don't draft like that they're not getting free agents. So, I mean, I don't know who you would put around Lillard that who would come here. Right. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you free agents not want to come to Portland? Is it just the rain or what? Probably boring. Well, it's just boring. There, but yeah, your- it's a, well, it's a small city. It's, yeah. you know, um, it doesn't have a lot of, I think, uh, I think it's like 7% African-American, maybe less. So it's super, it's the widest major city in the United States. So there's not a lot for, you know, not a lot of nightlife, not a lot going on, you know? So, um, and I, I just don't think people want to come here. It's like, it's probably better than Sacramento, but that's not saying yeah, anything. Yeah, and I, I grew up <laughs> around Sacramento. I can certainly see why people don't want to come there. I mean, it's it's basically off the map, but Portland for me, I mean, that, that, that's kind of interesting, right? The Rose City, I've been there a couple of times. It's beautiful, but yeah, I, I see your point. But in that same vein, um, Look, I have a ton of respect for Damian Lillard. I mean, in, in the era of super teams, guys jumping all over the place, you can see the Nets doing it right now. Um, you know, the guy stood pat. He's committed to winning a championship in Portland. But for you, I know you're a Blazers fan. What would you rather see, right? Because I know you probably have a lot of respect for Lillard as well. Would you rather see Lillard go elsewhere and win a title or see Portland win one without it? Uh, I would rather see him stay and not win one. Stay and not win one. So just... I mean. Charles career. Barkley never uh, won one, right? Yeah, yeah. Dan Marino never won one. Yeah. I mean, in the days of the super teams and the Durants and the Hardens and just the stuff that goes on, to have somebody of character, I just think is, you know, the greatest thing that happened last year in the bubble was the Twitter war between Lillard and Westbrook. 
Right. And it almost right. felt like good old 90s NBA until Lillard and Westbrook all kissed and made up. I'm like, don't kiss and make up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, keep it. I, I love it. I mean, you know, obviously watching like the last dance that came out last year, you know, with, with watching those, the, the Detroit Pistons teams and the Knicks teams and how much they hated Jordan, how much Jordan hated them. That was beautiful television. That's what you yep. really think a, a professional league should be, not this sort of, all right, we, you know, you guys beat us and let's just go hang out and let's go to the Bahamas together and, you know, we're all best friends. It's all hunky yep. Well, that's what makes college sports so great because you have these real rivalries where you don't just hate the team, you hate anybody that likes that team. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Casey, let me put a bow on this conversation. Just, I really appreciate your take on Lillard because I, I've been dying to get somebody who has a, a bit of a dog in the fight, their, their sort of perspective on this. But let's play a little game of over-under really quickly. Okay. Let's say, so the Blazers are over or under one and a half players away from contending for a title with sort of the team that they have right now. Under. Under. Okay, well, so let's call that one player. Who do you think – do you have somebody in mind who you think, who, if they ended up in Portland – Suddenly, that is a that is a top two, three contending championship team with Lillard there. I don't have a specific player, but I it's it's a it's a point forward type player. It's a it's a it's a six ten, six eight, six nine, six ten guy that can shoot. It's yeah. a Kevin Love ten years ago or seven eight years ago. Right. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a stretch three, stretch four kind of guy. Yeah. 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 That's what they don't, they don't have that, and, yeah. and that's what they need. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. But kind of going off of that, at that Dame talk, you know, he's been in the MVP chatter a little bit this year. And I feel like this has been kind of one of the oddest MVP conversations I've ever seen because, you know, I feel like th there's been a guy clearly leading the race all year. And I feel like it's been decided for weeks, but we're still talk every week that there's a new player in the race. You know, now it's Chris Paul. Last week it was Steph Curry. You know, what are your kind of thoughts on seeing a, a player like Nikola Jokic, the guy I'm talking about? Just because he's on a small market doesn't really fit the mold of an NBA superstar as we perceive him. Not getting the same respect that like LeBron would get if he was putting up similar numbers. I feel like LeBron putting up similar numbers, it wouldn't even be a conversation on, you know, get yeah. up in the morning. No, I think he's a clear MVP. I, I, I think with, I mean, without him on that team, I don't know what Denver is. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, um, everything goes through him. I mean, he's the last of the Mohicans, man. He, I mean, He's Sabonis when Sabonis, before we ever got to see him, I mean, the guy can pass and shoot and he can do it all, right? And I, he brings the ball up the floor. <laughs> yeah, the, a true point center. I mean, he, he's legit. And you just made Andrew's day. I'll, I'll tell you that right now, Casey, because he, he has been on this show just homering, homering for Jokic. And I, I have all the respect in the world for a guy like Jokic who just looks like the slowest guy on the floor and yet nobody can guard him because he's just yep. that good. Right. Well, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Right. Let's let's talk about sort of the big story in the NFL. Obviously, the draft is last week, but we've got Aaron Rodgers out here. It's seems like a frayed rela relationship with the Packers. We won't go into the detail. Everybody knows the story, but sort of the, the latest version of this is, I guess, you know, Rodgers has been linked to texting free agents and telling him not to come to Green Bay because he's not coming back, calling Brian, Brian Guttenkunst, the GM, uh, referring to him as Jerry Krause in team group text. I mean, how fractured is this relationship in your opinion, Casey? And is there any way, is there any scenario in which Aaron Rodgers suits up in a Green Bay Packers uniform either next year or at any time in the rest of his career? Nope. That, that thing's done. And Green Bay, they, when they drafted Jordan Love, they, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I mean, they had no plan in place. And so you take a thin skinned egomaniac like Aaron Rodgers 
and you don't even let him know what you're doing. And then you go and do it. And I understand why Green Bay was thinking he's had a couple bad years, you know, for his 25, 26 touchdowns. And so, you know, they pissed him off enough to get what 45 touchdowns last year. Um, But they're not, he's not coming back because he won't play. He's stubborn. He doesn't even talk to his own family. You think he's going to be loyal to the backers? <laughs> Actually, I sent our producer Seamus that text last week. It, you know, it was from like a, a Vikings account, but it's like, this man won't even talk to his own mother or his own brother. And you think somehow Gutenkunst and company is going to get him to come back to Green Bay? Forget yeah. about it. Are you kidding me? The only, the only thing holding back right now is the the GM and the, the rest don't want to lose their job. Because they, they think that they get rid of him and love's not who he's love's going to be horrible. I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, nobody wants him. He was third string last year, but they think they're going to get fired, but they don't have a choice. And so I Rogers is going to be, he's going to, and this is going to make uh, one of you happy is he's going to end up in the Broncos uniform. Because oh, Elway, no. oh, Elway no. has proven that he can't draft a quarterback. So he just has to go get the old guys and put them oh. in there. God, we're never going to live that one down, Casey. Oh, you had to do it. I love it. Well, I think that that's a good segue to my next question, which was going to be, one, what do you think happens? So you just gave me your, your answer, which is great. Um, two, is that where you would like to see him? Or like in an ideal world, where would you like to see Aaron Rodgers go? I'd love to see him go to Denver. I mean, I I, I, I've never, I was never an LA or Elway fan until his last couple of years, because I always end up rooting for the old guy. Like I was never a Brady fan until the last couple of years, because I'm an old guy. He's an old guy. You got to root for the old guy, you know? Um, I, I liked him, I like what Peyton Manning did there. That was kind of fun. And so, um, yeah, I think that'd be fun for Denver. So it'd be fun for me. I'd be all about that as I've told them and they'll, I'll keep telling them until it happens. <laughs> but you know, Tom Brady's the one that screwed all this up. Because Brady and people have Brady left New England because New England said they didn't want him anymore. So it's a different deal. But he goes and he brings in a couple of players. So now all of a sudden, Russell Wilson and Rodgers, everybody's thinking they can go build a super team. Well, they're kind of inflating what Brady did. All he br- we brought in a washed up Gronk who may or may not have been good. And would he bring in the uh, Leonard Fournette? It wasn't like, and then Brown, who was a risk. So it wasn't like Brady built that team. He just got a couple of, people to come in there but they all watch brady at 43 or whatever he old win the super bowl so <laughs> they all want to do that right yeah. at the very least i think he's attracted the idea of a team willing to bring in the guys the quarterback wants you know yeah they all, they all had risks to him they had risk to him no no doubt but the fact that the buccaneers were like tom whoever you want we will get them for you i think that's what he's looking for probably but you know what i love about brady is brady never act like wilson or acted like uh rogers is Brady could, I, I'm sure he didn't love Belichick all the time, but man, he towed the company line and he kept his mouth shut and he, and I don't think he ever stirred the pot. Right. And so I feel like Brady did it the right way. And Rogers and Wilson are like kind of kicking and screaming because they want more control. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's one thing that we've mentioned on the show too. Right. And it, that actually goes back to the Russell Wilson thing is, you know, when you see these stories, like, so-and-so's camp is is upset with uh you know with the coaching staff or the front office like who's the camp besides the player like you exactly right? <laughs> yeah 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 that, but have you ever heard anything from brady's camp no ever no <laughs> man knows how to do it he knows how to do it un- under the the coat of darkness i guess suppose but look from an nfl standpoint obviously we, we've mentioned the rogers thing 
you, you've given your take on Jordan Love, but let's talk about this new draft, this new draft class of quarterbacks, right? Now that we're the dust has settled after a week here, who is sort of, in your opinion, who's in the best position to succeed from those first round quarterbacks? Well, I, uh, Trey Lance, I think, honestly. Uh, and the reason why is I think being un, being under Shanahan's great. And I, I just keep hearing how smart he is. Yeah. And I think that, I think IQ is, and he's really athletic too. So he's got both going on, right? That's what I think. I think the one that everybody, the, the, the part one is, wow, you know, Mac, Mac Jones, right? Like he's going to go and the, the master is going to make him the next Brady. I, who wants to follow Tom Brady? <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, no, thank you. Not even so, Cam Newton wanted to do it. He's a former MVP. He didn't even want any part of that. <laughs> exactly. I know. So I think, I, I think it's actually, um, yeah, the guy going to San Francisco. You know, hey, what, Casey, you are just on fire here. You're making my day as a San Francisco fan. You're talking Warriors. You're making Andrew's day, Denver Broncos. This is this is beautiful. But listen, I, I want to wrap this thing up. This has been really fun. But this is something else that came up offline. So you were part of the chain gang for over 20 years for Oregon State, right? So yeah. that's true. OK, that's that true story. Awesome. First and foremost, that is awesome. But I am sure you have seen some awesome things in your career. So let's start with this. Who is, you know, maybe what's the, what's the best sort of team? What's the best team that you've ever seen live on the field? The, okay. So probably what year was it? I want to say the, the either 2006 or 2008 uh, USC solid yeah. all the way around. I mean, just unbelievable. But the best team I ever saw was, Gosh, what was it? The 2009 or 2010 Oregon Ducks. That was when Chip Kelly, I think that's the year they went to the national championship game. And that's when they, you know, the whole, like, they were fast breaking on the field. I'd never seen a team so focused. And I, what I used to do is I'd spend one half on the the Beaver side and then one other half on the, on the other side, the visitor side. So I got a feel for both sidelines. That team was so focused that year, no matter what was going on. And they were beating people 60 to you know, they're scoring massive points. Oh, they never up. smiled. They hardly ever celebrated. They had a job to do. And Chip Kelly had those guys just dialed in. And so that's the best team I ever saw. Yeah, that was pretty much the birth of sort of the no huddle. I remember those years. And that was, I mean, that was a special team. But so obviously being in, in the, what was the Pac-10, now the Pac-12, I mean, you, you've got a chance to see a guy that we were just mentioning, right? You got to see Aaron Rodgers play with, with the Cal Bears, right? Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, he was a, uh, uh, I remember the game. It was him and then Marshawn Lynch and Justin Forsett were on the team. And um, yeah, but then back then you knew the Rod- you knew Rogers was good, but you and you know Lynch was good and Forsett, but you don't know they're going to be what they turn out to be, right? right. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, curious about that too because you know you've seen I've seen Rogers highlights. Obviously, everybody knows about how he slipped in the draft. He thought he was going to go number one to San Francisco. They went with Alex Smith, and then he falls and he's kind of had that chip on his shoulder. I mean, you you kind of touched on it, but seeing him in person at Cal, did you really think he, he was sort of destined for even a good career in the NFL? No, I mean, no, you can't tell, right? Like very, very few times I've been able to tell. Um, uh, I remember Nick Foles, uh, he's the game he had against the Beavers was solid. And that dude is huge. Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles is a big man. Um, yeah. I mean, he kind of knew uh, Mark Sanchez. I thought was, you could see that he was something special. Reggie Bush. You knew, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, he returned a punt against the Beavers. I mean, you could just tell that his level was different, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so 
you, we talked about players. What about coaches? Cause I mean, if you're on the sideline, like that's who you're like riding and, you know, face to face with who's, who's the craziest experience you've ever had, like watching a coach in their element. Okay. So off air, I told you guys, it was coach Stoops from Arizona, Mike Stoops. And I thought it was him, but then I remember the guy that replaced him eventually was Rich Rodriguez. Oh. Rich Rod, Rich I Rod. have never seen a grown man that didn't have some type of mental disorder act the way he acted. <laughs> he would go off by himself and he would just go, ah, and scream, and he'd just be yelling into the headphone and grunting and everything. And even his own players would look at him like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, I mean, it was crazy. Now, the polar opposite was Ty Willingham and David Shaw. Man, nothing phases them. Um, I did hit, um, what's his name? Gosh, the Mississippi State coach now, Washington State guy, um, the oh, crazy my. coach. Leach. Yeah, but Leach, Leach, yeah. I hit him over the head with the first down marker. And he, <laughs> I was trying to get out of the way, and I hit him right over the head, and he, like, he kind of growled at me, you know, so. Oh, I would have thought he'd gone into some diatribe about the planets and, uh, you know, the speed of light and, and how, how that relates to getting hit over the head by, by the first down marker. Yeah, and I tell you, he's a weird guy, too, because he he's doesn't look guy. like he'd be a coach. And he, he just has that little piece of paper. He just, right off that, you know. It's, and especially, it, for the guy, I mean, yeah, that air raid offense, I guess there's really nothing to it other than just everybody go. Everybody go and get open. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to watch it, you know. I mean, yeah, being on the sidelines, you just see how fast everything's moving. And, you know, when they have the right players, that's tough to stop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so. That's, um, that's awesome, Pat. Well, certainly uh, it would seem as though the University of Arizona and the University of or Stanford University seem to have a type is what you're, what you're telling us here. As they seem at. to. Yeah, I don't know who the Arizona coach is now, but yeah. Got so. it. Anybody? Well, Kevin Sumlin flamed out there. I don't even know who they hired. Oh, they hired somebody from the NFL, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, that. well, yeah. Well, I know the Arizona State guy is uh, – he's an NFL guy. But, so. but I tell you what, I was lucky. I was there for the Coach Erickson years. And that was interesting because the, um, the, the year that the Beavers went to the Fiesta Bowl and beat Notre Dame, there, there's two starting wide receivers are TJ Hushmanzada and Chad Johnson, who was, ended up being Chad Ochocinco. Oh. And the quarterback that year was the head coach now, Jonathan Smith. And oh, he was wow. like 5'10". I mean, I, could have been, I, I looked like he did. It was crazy that he was the quarterback. But, yeah. yeah so... <laughs> Yeah, that was a great experience. But I, when I first started doing it, if we had 18,000 fans in the stands, it would be impressive. It was so bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, Oregon State has had their, their ups and downs, more downs than ups. But I'm sure that was, uh, that was that's a pretty incredible run there to be, be running the sideline and the chains for over two decades. Yeah, I would say from the years about 2001 to about 2013, it were good years. We were going to bowl games and we had, you know, putting players in the NFL and, you know, Jordan Poyer, who's a, defensive back for the bills he was a big time player for the beavers back then local guy he's, so. yeah, he's still a big time player for sure and yeah scoring at home jed fish uh formerly of rams fame is now the coach at u of a and we've got herm edwards down there at asu that's right yeah play to win the game that's what it's all about right casey yeah yeah that's for sure well listen man we are out of time this was a lot of fun i really appreciate your takes on, on portland the nfl the nba this was a lot of fun man we'll have you on again sometime soon i hope yeah anytime you guys i enjoyed it thank you all right, our special thanks to Casey Ryan. That was an awesome interview. Uh, <laughs> Andrew, I, I love what he was saying about Rich Rod. I can literally almost see Rich Rod on the sideline just absolutely losing his lid. Yeah, I mean, he painted the visual and he didn't have to say much else. We all got it immediately. We were like, nope, that's exactly what's going on. Same with Mike Leach. 
just a little red face Mike Leach screaming his head off. Yeah, I, I love those like those insights from somebody, you know, working the chain gang for 20 years up there in Corvallis. And I mean, he's probably he's seen it all. He saw the, the Rogers, Justin Forsett, uh, Marshawn Lynch tripod. He's I mean, that, that's that's good stuff. We could have gone another half hour with my man there. But let's move over to some MLB talk. Right. We, season just started. There's not a whole lot there to talk about. But one series that everybody's got their eye on is Astros Yankees. Obviously, the Astros are still on their their trash can tour. Every, everywhere they go, um, they're getting, you know, the boo birds and the trash cans. And I think I saw some guy with like a broken arm trying to lift up a trash can earlier this year. So it, props to that guy. I mean, he was really he really had to give it to the Astros. But the Yankees, I think maybe more than anybody feel like they've been slighted by the Astros. Certainly they were the ones that, that took them down in the playoffs. But this has been a beautiful thing to watch these last couple couple days. Um, I think today was Jose Altuve's birthday and the whole crowd was chanting in chorus, F your birthday, which of course he promptly then went and hit a game-winning home run, which was pretty sweet as somebody who hates the Yankees. But um, from an overall standpoint, do you think this, this sort of rhetoric with all the fans kind of booing the Astros wherever they go, banging trash cans, Dusty Baker said as much, he said people need to stop, right? And you're being too mean to our players. But I mean, feels like the Astros have kind of deserved this, but do you think his, this is sort of played played out the string or do you think this is going to last the rest of the year and beyond? Oh, this is going to last for, I, I can't even put a number on how long it's going to last. I mean, think about last year. We didn't, the, all these fans didn't get the opportunity when the story was hot yeah. to air their grievances. It's been festering. For, waiting for a whole year. Yeah. And you know what, Dusty Baker, I know you weren't the manager there and like, you know, you weren't intricately involved in the whole situation, but like you, they cheated. It's it's not like the steroid era where like no matter how much evidence says these guys did steroids, they'll never come out and say it. They definitively cheated, and like that World Series, it'll be the banner will be up in Houston for the rest of time, but it will always be tainted in the mind of every other fan base. They cheated. I mean, Jose Altuve, uh, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, all Hall of Fame careers. That's still going to be the asterisk. It's still going to be the thing hanging over them. They're going to have to learn how to deal with it because. They paid the price. You know, I hope winning that one World Series was worth it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? It's it, you feel bad a little bit for the players, but not really. My point is, is look, I played baseball all, all the way through high school. I, I was decent, but even even back when I was eight, nine, ten, if you're on second base, your coaches teach you that if, if you start to pick up the signs and you see a fastball is coming, you stick your arm out straight. If you see a breaking ball is coming, you, you, you bend your arm. I mean, there are always ways looking for competitive advantages. And obviously on the, on the biggest stage, that's where it becomes kind of a problem with a team that won the World Series on the back of cheating. I'm not taking that anything away from that. The Astros cheated. They cheated blatantly. They went above and beyond sort of that gray area and the fine line where everybody's trying to get a competitive advantage. The Astros did it to the nth degree. But my point is, is, you know, baseball – and professional sports in general, you're going to look for an edge up. And if that means you're, you're checking signs, you're, you're, we saw the, uh, the Cody Bellinger and uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. sort of thing come out where they were looking down at the, at the signs from the catcher. There will always be that in baseball. It will always be that competitive advantage trying to get that leg up. I guess the, the, the lesson learned from the Astros and hopefully the rest of the league is that just don't be that obvious. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just – you're right. Like every team's doing little things here and there, but the fact that like we can definitively say they cheated and then won a world series and appeared in, you know, three ALCSs in a row. And it's just, it, it's always going to be the thing that follows that, that narrative is that they're the, you know, the Astros 
from that time period, they're the team that cheated. You know, it just, it is what it is. And there's a reason like you put that team in New York and like the Yankees were personally slighted. I mean, we all knew that reaction was coming and it will probably still be that reaction every time they come to town going forward. Yeah. If I'm being, if I'm being honest, I actually thought New York would probably give it a, a little bit more gusto on, on, on the hate, but you know, that, that is what it is. And it was fully expected, but let's talk about another guy who, as far as we know, didn't cheat ever in his career, but he certainly has become one of the best players in the history of, of the game. It's Albert Pujols. He was released by the angels today. Apparently he was upset. He wasn't on the lineup last night. I guess the decision didn't come from manager Joe Madden. It was a front office decision. Certainly uh, what happened today would seem to confirm that as they, they are, they have released him. I guess my point for a guy like that, he's hitting 198. He's probably the slowest man in baseball. He's definitely the slowest man in baseball, possibly the slowest man on earth, but is there a market for him? Do you see him ending up somewhere as maybe, you know, a DH trying to help a team that's, that's contending for a championship? Maybe he ends up with the Astros. I don't know. I, I think he ends up on the, uh, the Cardinals on that one day contract to retire. That's right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, no, but I mean, Albert Pujols is kind of like the, the guy everyone forgets, but that might be the best player of the last 20 years. Um, you know, or at least of the 21st century, the last couple of years, it's really, he's really been a shell of himself, but in his heyday, I mean, that guy, the only other person you could throw in the argument is best hitter in baseball was Barry Bonds. And we all know there might've been some cheating from him on that regard, but allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. Um, but uh, no, I mean, Albert Pujols, there's a reason he was in that ESPN commercial where he's the machine. He just, he, I saw him at a home run once at a, at a, in, in Coors Field. So, you know, it was the craziest home run I've ever seen. It was, you know, 500 feet easy. Um, I mean, hats off to him on an amazing career. It's kind of sad that it, it's gone down the way it's gone the last couple of years where, you know, he's getting paid 25 million a year to just kind of hang out in Orange County, which isn't too bad for him, but it's tough on the Angels payroll. So, you know, he's going to finish up there in the top 10 in home runs and he's first thought Hall of Famer. I mean, I think we should be celebrating him because I don't really think he's got much left. Yeah, I, I think that would that's kind of the last point on that, right, is Albert, everybody remembers sort of Albert Pujols as Albert Pujols, the machine. He was an, a transcendent player. He was an amazing hitter, unbelievable hitter. But really, the the way a lot of people are going to remember him now is sort of these years in, in in Anaheim, or now the LA Angels of Anaheim. Is I hate when guys try to hang on, right? Cer certainly, he signed that ten year deal. This was the last year of that ten year deal. There are worse ways to spend your life than yeah, collecting 20, 25 mil, hanging out in Southern California. But it's a little bit disappointing to see a guy who's kind of hanging on a, a little bit too long, right? Because it, it's been so long since we saw those years of Pujols just crushing 500 foot homers and, you know, hitting 330 uh, with the Cardinals. And now we're kind of remembering him as this dude who, who can't even tag up and not get thrown out by 30, 40 feet. But uh, let, let's move over to NFL. I know we talked about Aaron Rodgers. That's the big story of the week. But another big story is obviously we've hit on this before these, these offseason workouts, right? NFL teams talking about boycotting the voluntary workouts uh, one of those factors is the, the decision. It, it wasn't discussed much about, you know, players who are training on their own, right? So if, the, if these are voluntary, you can, you can opt out. You don't have to show up unless you're, you work, uh, work for the New England Patriots because the hoodie's going to make you show up, and that's just what it is. But I'm going to take your boy, Jawan James, starting right tackle for your Broncos. He tore his Achilles this week, training on his own. Uh, and now the NFL is pressuring the Broncos to rescind his entire $10 million salary for this year. Um, this seems like not the right thing to do, Andrew, as a, as a Broncos fan. And also I just as a fan of the sport, 
I mean, does this injury like put a pin in the NFLPA's plans to move the league away from voluntary workouts? Oh, it's, it's a kick in the nuts. I mean, they had all the momentum of like, we're going to get rid of voluntary workouts and do all the things that they've been, they've been pushing for. And, and COVID was really kind of the, the thing in their, in their plans that like, you know, made it possible. It seemed like they were on track to do all this. And then not just to have a, a player, but a player lose this big of a salary just because he was working out a way he was following the orders of what all the, the players associated wanted him to do. I mean, it's not a good look. And, you know, I hate that my favorite team is the team that's going to kind of be the example uh, made, but the NFL's like, don't pay him. And we're going to really prove to the NFLPA, like you're going to have to play by our rules if you want that full salary. And so it's probably the worst thing that could have happened to the NFLPA's plans in terms of moving away from the, these voluntary workouts. Yeah, it certainly plays right into the hands of the NFL and, and Commissioner Goodell. Um, it's it, it's tough. It, it's unfortunate. You don't want to see a guy ever go down, especially a guy who's, who's trying to ramp up. And, you know, he's like you said, he's doing exactly what he was told. But this plays directly into the hands of the NFL. I don't see how the Players Association can't can't not do something, right? I mean, you got to protect these guys' livelihood. I mean, it's hard enough when this game is so violent, so many guys go down throughout the course of the year, and it's hard enough just to to make, you know, enough money throughout the course of what's, you know, an average maybe two, three-year career. And you got guys now going down in voluntary workouts, working out by themselves, and they're going to lose their entire salary for the year. It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I don't know what the Players Association can do, but they better do something because I – Believe me, Juwan James is not is the first, but he's not the last guy who's going to go down and volunteer working out on his own. So they got to figure something out. Otherwise, you know, what if it's what if it's somebody like Tom Brady, right? What if Tom Brady tears his Achilles when he's when he's training, right? You, you, the NFL is going to tell the Bucks to forfeit his entire salary? No way. That's, no, I mean it's, okay. it's what's tough too is there's no easy answer for either side, you know, and and it it sucks that the NFL is playing hard line and is look coming across as the bad guy in this, but I mean they're just trying to prove a point and. I don't, like you said, this is not the last time we're going to see it, but I think it's just going to have to keep playing out. And, you know, this might be one of the big things that leads to the next CBA negotiation. And I don't know, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah. They better get it figured out soon because it's going it, to, it's got the chance to get real ugly. And that's the last thing we need is, is another disagreement between the NFL and the players association, and, you know, uh, whatever. I, I can't, I can't deal with it. I can't even think about it, but one of the other big stories is our, is our board, Peter King, the all-seer, all-knower of the NFL. He says it's a better than a 50-50 chance, that's a quote, that Julio Jones gets traded by the Falcons before training camp. Now, everybody kind of knows what the, the salary cap situation is. The Falcons are in salary cap hell. They are basically right up against the cap. I guess trading Julio Jones is going to save them a bunch of money. It's going to, I guess, let them, I guess, spread it over a couple years instead of one year, whatever that penalty will be. But for me, what the hell is Atlanta doing? I mean, okay, I understand they they got a bad cap situation. Their defense has more holes than Swiss cheese. That everybody knows that, but the offense is absolutely legit. And you got Kyle Pitts now added to that offense, which was already one of the best in football last year. They lost a ton of close games last year. I think they were first or second in games decided by five or six points. So they weren't exactly losing you know, they weren't getting blown out. Right. And a lot of those games, they had the lead and the defense gave it up. But my point is, is in a league where going from first to worst to first is commonplace, you see four five, six teams do it every single year. Why on earth would Atlanta just risk losing another year by trading Julio Jones? And why wouldn't they trade him if they were going to before the draft? I mean, not what you now you're going to get a, a 2022 second and a fourth for him. I mean, it makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, but the thing at the end of the day is it's the Falcons, and they've shown time and time again they're not exactly the most uh, 
forward thinking and, and well-run organization. And, you know, it's really crazy to think that like, you know, that the, the Patriot Super Bowl, if things just, if they hold on and win that, they might've been poised to be on a little bit of a mini dynasty. I mean, everything was pointing up for them and they just, they shit the bed in every way imaginable. And they're still paying the consequences for it since. And it's, you know, you'd never think that at the same time, Julio Jones and Aaron Rodgers would both be available, but here we are. Okay. Well, there's no way he goes to Denver. Denver's got plenty of young receivers there anyways. I mean, I guess that's not any team in the league would be happy to get Julio Jones. So I'm sure they would probably, you know, give the farm for that. I guess you're right. Even Arthur Blank, don't be fooled by Arthur Blank's, you know, sweet suits and the, and the uh, comic villain mustache that the guy has no idea how to run a football team. And this is just another example of it. I mean, I think Julio Jones has two or three years left on his deal and you're just going to shuffle him off because you, you need to save some money. I mean, you're a multi-billion dollar franchise or multi-billion dollar owner. So I don't know, figure it out. Find, look under your mattress and find some extra cash. I don't know. I mean, I take a team in their division, right? The Saints are even in a worse situation cap-wise, but you don't see them dangling Michael Thomas on the block. And that's why the Saints are the Saints and the Falcons are the Falcons. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, and I, I wasn't saying Julio Jones, the Broncos. I just meant it's weird that oh, sorry. I, that's what i'm just hearing now every time we talk about somebody in the nfl i just assume yeah, i just met you you never thought we'd be in a position where arguably the best wide receiver and arguably the best quarterback both get traded that's all i was saying but yeah i mean i i feel like this is one of those scenarios that if they really wanted to make it work they'd make it work and i think that it's kind of taking the easy way out and i mean i guess they can justify to themselves that kyle pitts can come in and step in and kind of take over and they already have a good enough offense but yeah i mean Anyone with a, with a brain should know, like, you don't trade Julio Jones if you have Julio Jones. That, yeah, um, exactly. And Kyle Pitts could be transcendent. He could be one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end, you know, in the next three, four, or five years. But don't tell me that he's coming in this year or next and he's going to replace the production that Julio Jones gives you. So I guess that's just, uh, you know, awful jerseys, awful uh, organization. We're going to be seeing uh, them, the Falcons, at the bottom of the NFC South standings for years to come, especially if they get rid of Julio Jones. But if they don't, they got a chance. I, I think that offense really is pretty good. The defense is not going to stop anybody, but the offense could potentially just outscore everybody, kind of like the Chiefs. Um, all right, buddy, let's go to our dudes and duds of the week. Who's your dude of the week, man? Uh, my dude of the week, and again, it, it's, it's dudes this week, is just uh, both the Rangers and the Washington Capitals' uh, fourth lines who started the game last night and just immediately dropped the gloves. <laughs> and uh, I know there's been some drama building. There was a, a bad hit on Art, Artemi Pan. Uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but the Rangers superstar player from one of the, the Capitals' lesser guys, Tom Wilson, only got a small fine, and then they were like, screw it, we're going to send the enforcers out and really let the Capitals have it. And I just want to say, like, I'm so ready for the playoffs to start and uh, just see all the, the chaos that's going to happen because the NHL playoffs is something else. It is. And you know what? Let's, let's talk about that really quick because we've got a few minutes here. Nobody really seems to talk about the NHL. It, it kind of takes, obviously, a backseat to the NBA. Certainly the NFL, that goes without saying, pretty much any other major sport in, in the United States. But playoff hockey is sweet, man. And it is exciting. It is fun. But with the way the divisions have been rearranged this year – do we even know what's going on with the playoffs? I mean, I, I understand that, I guess, each division, it's one through four, those top four teams in each division makes the playoffs, and then one plays four, two plays three. Whatever happens beyond that, beyond that is it's a mystery, right? I have no idea. Yeah, and one of the mysteries uh, in the NHL has just been solved. It's Artemi Panarin. As, uh, Artemi. As, and I think I, as Seamus is shaking his head, I butchered his last name even after being corrected. Um, but, hey, no, you're right. The, 
the divisions in the NHL, even in a regular year, is so weird because it's like you 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 basically just play through your division all the way into the last possible second, and then you play the other teams. And this year, like literally, like the the Rangers may not play a Western Conference team until the Stanley Cup, and that's just you know that's an example. I'm not picking the Rangers, just an example of an Eastern Conference team, but it's. Like, yeah, I don't quite know how the NHL proceeds after you get each of the four division winners. And it's just it's another, you know, part of the chaos of the NHL that makes it so much fun to watch. True. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Gary Bettman, the commissioner, has any idea what he's doing. He, he may not even have figured it out yet. He might just play it by ear and, you know, go off the cuff. But I guess for my money, if we don't really know what's happening, let's just get, especially on, on the back of that awesome Washington Capitals, New York Rangers, when they drop the puck and everybody's fighting like two seconds into the game. Just give me the, the best four teams. Let's get everybody on the ice. Let's just fight it out. Last man standing as you're in, there's your NHL Stanley Cup champions right there, right? Let's just blood yeah, that. I mean, as, as long as that guy happens to be uh, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, then I, I 100% agree. Well, Nathan McKinnon may know how to put it in the back of the net. He will eat a punch from a lot of these bigger dudes. He's, he's got no chance in, a, in an all-out fist fight. No, no I chance. don't know. Nathan McKinnon's a hoss, too. He's, he's a hoss. Yeah, that's not a guy I'd want to get in a fight with. I'll just say that. I know I'm not an NHL player, but. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to get in a fight even with Artemi Panarin. <laughs> okay, well, we, we digress. We went into the, the NHL black hole. But my dude, and we've already mentioned him, it's Albert Pujols, right? 10-time All-Star, 298 lifetime hitter, fifth all-time in home runs. Obviously, we mentioned how great of a, of a career he had. It's, it's kind of sad to see how it's, how it's ended, but he's my dude of the week. Not, not just because he's a great player, a legendary player. He's going to be a hall of famer. It's really the fact that he he's fooled the MLB and really everybody for his entire career saying that he's a certain age when he's clearly five or 10 years older. I mean, his bio on ESPN says he's 41. The guy is definitely like 58, 59 years old. So kudos to Albert Pujols. You had everybody fooled. You're the man, and you're still hitting. I mean, he had five dingers this year at 59 years old. So, so God bless you, man. Most guys are just, you know, just lucky enough to get off the couch and grab a beer at the at the fridge. So, good job, Pooh. Who's yeah. your dud, man? Well, my dud of the week is a name I can pronounce. And I know I'm going to pronounce it right. <laughs> but that's uh, Mac Jones, and uh, just because as we were talking offline, he has the most punchable face in America. Um, the the walk that was heard around the world of him walking to the podium after uh, getting drafted was iconic in all the wrong ways. You know, there, I see all the captures. He looks like a school counselor on his way to beat up, you know, stop a fight in the cafeteria. I mean, he's just, and he kind of fits the, the Patriots, you know, the Patriot way very well. So I'm excited to see how Cam treats him with those Superman workouts and uh, how, he, how he takes to Mac Jones' famous uh, borderline questionable no Obama costume from when he was high school. You know, that. I'm interested to see how their relationship develops. Yeah, I definitely don't see them uh, becoming buddies. And, you know, Mac Jones rocking some of those, like, pimp hats with the the, the pink furries and some gold chains. I, I just don't really see that happening. <laughs> All right. Well, my dad of the week, we, we hit on this again, and I won't belabor the point. I, I think it's, it's the NHL in general. First and foremost, we have no idea what's going on with the playoffs, and that's the NHL's sort of problem, but also the great thing because, they, because of the chaos. But it's what went down with the Capitals – and the Rangers, we've kind of hit on what, what Tom Wilson did. He, he's a, I mean, everybody knows he's probably the dirtiest player in the league. He hit Artemi Panarin when he was on the ground. He got fined 5K, which, okay, fair. That is the, the maximum amount you could find a player for the, by the, I guess, the collective bargaining agreement. But then after the New York Rangers complained about that fine, they go ahead and hit the Rangers with the $250,000 fine just for complaining about it. I mean, 
yeah, it's an organization versus a player. The, the sort of financials don't quite add up, but how do you find one guy who almost ended another guy's career? And by the way, Panarin's done for the year after that hit. You find him 5K and then you find an organization 250K just because they said, well, hey, he, he probably should have gotten suspended. I mean, that, that is a complete clown show. The NHL, you're the dud of the week, but I can't wait for the playoffs. So, you know, that'll be fun. Yeah, don't burn the bridges because you, you want them to, you want to be on their good side. Just a couple right. weeks. You're right. Okay. Yeah, you're right. All right. Gary Bettman, you're the man, baby. You guys do, you guys did it right. You, you do everything right. You're the pillar, the pillar of, uh, of excellence in sports. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Andrew Schuster. Thank you, man. Also a special thank you to our, uh, our chain gang master and former mayor, Casey Ryan. That was an awesome interview. We are all wrapped for Thursday, May 6th. This is the walk-ons. Thanks for listening. The walk-ons.